Kate Dane thought she was the last of her line until she had a daughter. And then that daughter had a daughter. Have you ever stopped to think of it? Three women with the same face, each more powerful than the one before. Except the last one, of course, who has no magic at all. This is the Dark Inheritance Podcast, a serial about family, hate, and magic. Last time on Dark Inheritance. She saved him by pulling herself together and straightening. She flipped her hair back with one hand and wiped at her face with the other. God, you think you know how you'll react in situations like that, but then they happen and all you can do is not pee your goddamn pants. Trauma presents in a lot of different ways, he offered. Everyone handles it differently. She looked at Tad then, spearing him with a clear gaze. He could see the words she wanted to say in her eyes. You're too young. How would you understand? Instead, she looked away from him and came back to her chair. You don't believe me, she said, sitting down. It wasn't a question. It was closer to an accusation. He was absolutely certain that the giant snake demon was a figment of her imagination, but she believed it was real. He wasn't a psychologist, though, and for all he knew, saying that out loud might make things worse. When I was a kid, my dad hit a dog with his car on our way home from a town council meeting, he said slowly, feeling the words as he spoke them. There was nothing he could have done. It was dark and the dog came out of nowhere. As an adult, I know it was just a dog. But when I was a kid, I was convinced it was a werewolf. Chapter 5. Kate. Kate spent the rest of the afternoon digging through dressers and boxes. She searched everywhere she could think of, but in the end there was nothing to be found, and inevitably she found herself staring at the attic door. From the outside, the white door looked innocuous, so much that it blended into the walls to the point of being invisible. But Kate knew better. Beyond that door was the real sea of power. It was the place where her entire life had changed. It was the wound she picked at, never allowing it to heal. The door opened easily under her hand, and she couldn't shake the feeling that had been waiting for her. It opened inward, revealing time-worn stairs, the center of each bowed by passing of countless feet. Above her head, the wooden rafters were awash in golden sunlight, and the air smelled like warm wood and dried herbs. As she looked up the stairs, unable to see what awaited her on the floor above, deja vu trickled down her spine like ice water. The stairs creaked ominously under her weight as she ascended. There was no handrail, and she found herself bracing her hands against the rough wooden slats that lined the stairwell. Her grandmother's workroom only ran half the length of the house. Behind the stairs, a wall bisected the attic, and there was a closed door next to the stairwell that led to the other half. Kate didn't even need to try the handle to know it would be locked, and all the time she lived there had never once been open. The window at the far end of the attic had been left open and a breeze drifted through the dim room. 
Sunlight spilled through the glass and painted the wooden floor in shades of honey and amber. It was almost nice. She ran her fingers across the scarred wooden top of her grandmother's work table. Nothing had changed. Even the thick grimoire still sat in the middle of the table, just like the last time she'd seen it. Her eyes flickered to the floor. The only new object in the attic was the wide red rug that covered the wooden floorboards. She walked around the table, unable to take her eyes off that rug. Suspicion tickled at the back of her neck. When she was standing in the middle of the floor, her head barely clearing the beams overhead, she looked around. It was about the right place. A shiver pulled over her skin, bringing goose flesh despite the heat. Gingerly, she knelt on the rug and reached for the nearest corner. Nausea crawled up her throat as she peeled the edge back. The line of the outer circle appeared first, stark and black against the golden wood, like it had been burned into the surface. But no human hand had drawn that line. She knew if someone ever cared to measure, it would be a perfect circle. Her hands began to tremble as the runes appeared next, black as the circle line. When the inner circle appeared, stark white, she let go of the rug and scrambled backwards, putting as much distance between herself and the white circle. It was too much. She thought she'd been strong enough, but she had been wrong. Her throat turned thick, making it impossible to swallow. It was a mistake to come back. The floor beneath her wobbled and the dried herbs that hung from the ceiling began to sway. Her sense of being anchored to the earth tilted, and then, without warning, she was drowning in memories of the past, of the, of the last time she was in this room. It's the only way. She's my child, your granddaughter. She's a mistake. She's never been created. Her hands hurt with remembered pain. She pushed herself to her feet and ran down the stairs to the second floor, but she didn't stop there. She ran down to the main floor and then out the door. She didn't bother locking it behind her. Henry could help himself to whatever he found in there. She didn't care anymore. That was a lie, of course, but it was one she told herself often enough that she almost believed it. Back in the car, she dumped her phone into the cup holder and tried to thread her keys into the ignition, but her hands were shaking too badly and she kept missing the slot. She forced herself to take a breath, to drag calm into her lungs. But in the space between one breath and the next, a sob escaped her chest, and then she was lost. She let her head fall against the steering wheel as her body shook under the hands of terror and grief. She grabbed the locket with her free hand and held onto it with a desperate grip, feeling too young, too alone. She could almost imagine the weight of her mother's hand on the back of her head. Kate dragged in a shaking breath. You're gone, she said to the memory. I'll never leave you. Her mother's ghost murmured in the back of her mind. But Kate couldn't tell if the words came from her imagination or her memory. The house watched her impassionately and she let go of the locket, glaring back at it. She shoved the keys into the ignition. Fuck this, she said as the engine turned over. She glared at the shadow of the house before backing out of the driveway and turning around and coming back the way she'd come. With one hand at the wheel, she wiped the wetness on her cheeks. She glanced in her rearview mirror as she went around the bend, watching the house as it was obscured by the heavy branches of the dark trees. She had expected to feel relief, 
but instead something heavy settled over her shoulders as the house disappeared from view. She let the car pick up more speed, trying to outrun the feeling. The locket felt like a weight around her throat and she rubbed the back of her neck, trying to ease the phantom sensation. The Clark farmstead flew by outside her window as the car bounced over the uneven dirt road. She mentally winced at the onslaught of rocks and potholes, but she didn't dare slow down. The urge to get off the hill was nearly a physical thing and it made her hands shake. Her mother was right. She should have never come back. Kate glanced in the rearview mirror one more time as the car neared the creek, watching the thick tangle of trees obscure her view of the road. It was like watching dirt being thrown on top of a grave. No sadness. No relief. Just numbness and a vague sense of impatience. Her stomach growled and she had an intense flush of desire for fast food. Something greasy. Something to tell her she was alive. She just wanted to leave it all behind. A rush of electricity ran down her arms and pooled in her hands. A memory of the magic she used to have. It brought with it old remembered pain that pricked at her fingers. She clenched the steering wheel harder, stealing her jaw against the hurt. But the memory of pain blossomed into real pain and she gasped the sudden sensation of skin tearing. The steering wheel grew hot under her hands. It took her a second to realize that it wasn't the steering wheel that was hot. It was her hands. They felt like they were on fire. Eat. Something beeped from the dashboard the same time the engine stuttered. Her attention flew back to the car and her pain was eclipsed by the sudden flash of fear as the interior dash lights blinked and then died. The engine stopped. An unnatural silence fell over the car as it continued down the road, no longer propelling itself but instead falling down the slope. Too late, she realized it had veered off course. She panicked and hit the brakes, but nothing happened. She yanked the wheel to the side, but without power steering, it did almost no good. Before she could register what was happening, the front of the car slammed into the ancient stone bridge that crossed the creek, and the momentum jerked Kate forward as her seatbelt tightened painfully across her chest. The sidewall of the bridge crumbled under the force of the impact, and the little red rental and its occupant fell through the air, plummeting into the water below. The world fell into stillness. So Kate's ball is finally rolling now. Took it long enough. Um, so she's come back to the farm. Despite her promise to her dead mother, that should definitely be noted. Um, and for better or for worse, she's there. And now she's in the middle of things, whether she realizes it yet or not. Um, Kate coming to the farm um, and her involvement in Henry, they have both acted like a catalyst. And that's what's setting... Um, this ball in motion. I know there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that the listener isn't aware of yet. Um, things that we will explore in Tad's chapters that since that is his goal, his, uh, his job as a character to show these things. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning that the hill is, the hill symbolizes something to Kate. It's both the demons in her past and it's also the wound that she picks at, the one that she will never allow to heal because she's constantly wondering what could have happened or what happened and she didn't understand because she was a child. Um, her mother, after they left the hill, never spoke of anything um, 
She was very close-lipped about her past, and any question Kate as a child might have asked went on the we, sh we don't talk about that anymore list with her mother. Um, in this chapter, there's a lot of things happening. Um, one, she finally goes up to the attic. The attic is probably the epicenter of her nightmares. That's where a lot of very bad things happen to her. Um, and hopefully I conveyed that when she was peeling back the rug and she saw elements of her past and she gets sick and nauseous and she immediately abandons her plans to search for answers and just realizes she has to get the hell out of there because she can't deal with this anymore. Um, the house itself still comes into play with the aftershocks of the earthquake um, and Kate suddenly reverts back to her, her uh, seven-year-old self and it feels like the house is alive and it doesn't want her there. Um, I also feel like this the sense of dread that's building in the Attic series of pulling back the rug and seeing the lines and the symbols that have been scorched into the floorboards. Um, that's a lot of Kate's own dread coming to the surface it's she's searching for answers but suddenly she she doesn't want to search for these answers anymore it's just too much and it's overwhelming to her um, pulling back the rug is like trying to pull pull back the corner of her memory and some things just hurt too much to face head-on and that that's an interesting point really when I'm now that I'm thinking about it Perhaps these are memories that she should have left buried. Maybe not buried, but perhaps these she should have followed her mother's promise and she should have never come back because maybe her mother knew something she didn't know. Um, it reminds me of a couple horror movies I watched back in the day where the main character goes to a, I don't know, a place from their past because they couldn't let go of the memory. They had to find the answers. They felt like they had to find the answers. And of course, being a horror movie, things went disastrously wrong. Um, that's kind of how this moment in the story feels to me about Kate. Maybe she would have been better off if she didn't come back to the hill at all. But of course then, we wouldn't have a story to tell. Um, and then at the end, of course, she's running away and the car dies and then crashes effectively stranding her there on the hill forcing her to confront the fears of her past and it's a complicated history um, especially when you bring her grandmother into the mix cat who kate was named after they're both catherine um cat um cat's an interesting character she's She's the matriarch of the clan, um, her husband having passed several years before her. Um, she always tried to do what was best for her family. But the thing about Kat was she was very rigid in her thinking. Kat was going to be the one to decide what was best for her family. And Kat was the one who was going to do what was best for her family. Like Kat had a very rigid um, mental structure about how she was the one in charge and she was the one that was protecting everyone else and sometimes her version of protecting the family might mean ostracizing a seven-year-old seven-year-old granddaughter 
Um, it's definitely complicated, and it's something that we explore in later episodes. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, visit darkinheritance.com and follow the link to Patreon, where you can show your support with as little as $1 a month. That will get you a shout-out in the credits, um, where I would personally thank, thank you for contributing to supporting the, the cost to keep this podcast running. And we also have the higher tiers, which get you behind-the-scenes access, and the highest tier, which gets you uh, rough draft copies of in work progress between either the audio podcast or even the written work that's far in the future of the podcast. In any case, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening to episode five, and I look forward to talking to you again in episode six. Dark Inheritance was created by DMZ Barth. Theme music was created by Virinen and Philip Mariani. Special effects were created by Tippus Sound, Zombie Unit, and Red Octopus. Special thanks to all the subscribers who make this podcast possible. <laughs>